Oh dear. Hi, listeners. Welcome to Podcast with Paul. <laughs> We've got interesting insights guaranteed, and it's time to increase your emotional intelligence. Are we up for increasing our emotional intelligence, listeners? Let's have lots of joy and fun and excitement for sure. Hey, I've got some really special guests along the way. Interesting people, really challenging ideas and challenging conversations. It's going to be amazing. You can learn more about what to do, why to do what to do, and what to do about it all. (laughs) So much fun becoming self-aware, motivated, alive, learning new ways to see the world. Hey everybody, welcome to Podcast with Paul. Oh, hi everyone, welcome to episode three. I know that also you, you were talking about gratitude and that when we, when we have things to be grateful for, that is a start into moving away from the, the blame or the way, the, away from the victim mindset because obviously we've got issues in our past. I know that you've, you've had some very difficult childhood experiences and you've had some terribly difficult experiences during the war because you, know, you saw things that, that obviously not many people have seen and, and you've seen it in, in reality. Can I ask you, do you feel that the place of where soul is being quiet and, and quietening the mind and, and meditation, and I know you've told me about meditation, you told us a bit about that before, has has meditation influenced you? In it? And if it has, how, how did you learn that meditation was a vehicle for, her, for, for, for her healing and for mental health? That's a fantastic question. Thanks, Paul. Look, I'm not an expert. Uh, I read a lot of books. I don't have any formal degrees, but I listen to people who have done very well. And I study a lot of spiritual terms, which isn't really the energy of self-love. And I would say to answer your first question, meditation saved my life. See, if you focus on the future too much, that's how you'd get anxiety. You're trying to make it, you're trying to get it. And if you have gratitude, how can you get what you want if you, haven't, if you don't appreciate what you've already got? That doesn't make sense to me. And anxiety and depression comes from the past. So uh, Eckhart Tolle, one of my teachers, what a magnificent man he is. And yes, he, I, he, I agree. He would just teach me to stop and have a look around. And when you start looking at things and just observing around you, you stop thinking. Because we overthink too much for a start, which I think is the biggest contributing factor to all this mental. Where was it 20, 30 years ago, all this mental thing? I was, I've counselled five psychologists and I was offered an honorary degree in psychology at Sydney University if I went back to uni for two years, which I'd never been to, and went and worked with a psychologist for five years, they'd give me an honorary degree. This professor offered me that, and I said, I don't want to be a psychologist. You're all as nutty as fruitcakes. I don't don't want to be labelled anything. I just want to be Robert and just help people as I am. And I've got a lot of criticism for that. I've been sued. I've been all this. But I've got a lot of people who love me for that too that I've helped uh, not destroy their lives or get on with a greater life. The thing is, as I know I keep arguing on it, if you really want to get to know yourself, meditation is the best way to get there. And I practice the three S's, being silent, being still, and being solitude. On your own, being still, and being silent. And just have a good listen. Because listen is spelt the same as silent in a different space. If you think about it, the same letters. But people say, well, get to the soul. I said, where's your soul? And no one really knows. Your soul is the space between the thoughts. 
It's like music comes from the, the space between the notes. They say the tiger is most afraid of the space between the bars. Well, your soul is the space between your thoughts. And when you're silent, it's the most magnificent feeling you can have. And I can now get to about five, nearly six minutes sometimes. I'm working on, some people can go all day, some of these real gurus, but just be silent and accept the fact that you've got a good life. And I wake up every morning saying, thank you. Who else can I damage today with a nice smirk on my face? <laughs> and then I go, five, four, three, two, one, blast off, and I jump out of bed. It's freezing as maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I just love life as it is now. It's got, But maybe you've got to get old and have those setbacks to appreciate it. Maybe that helped me. I, I didn't want to sit around telling people about my story. I thought I'll make some money from it. I'll become a coach. And it's a great story. And it's all very true. Some people don't want to believe it, but they couldn't believe that a mother could put their children in a home at age five and leave them there. And I said, well, in those days, my mother, you could earn, after the war, women could earn three incomes. They could sew, cook, or become a hooker. My mother decided the last one because she's a good-looking woman. And I'd say to Mum, were you a good hooker? She said, the best. I said, I accept you now. You've got to be the best if you're... But that was the attitude then. It's all different today, of course. And a lot of these young people sit back and judge on today's standards. And they've got no idea of what life's been about. But I'm not here to criticise. I'm here to love everyone because a lot of the people who offend me uh, teach me that I should be better. So that they teach me a lesson. Uh, some of the best uh, arseholes, you call them, are sometimes your best soulmates because they make you aware of you're not so good at things. Uh, but of all the people I counsel, it's usually all about relationships they can't get on together, and it's sad. We see people, especially when they start affecting their children. And we are human beings, not human doings. That's what we're really all about. Waffling uh, 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 on a bit, aren't I? No, no, I, I get it. Uh, it seems sometimes that we're caught up in the uh, too much in not getting into the nitty gritty. And you're 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 talking from a place of getting right to the to the crux of the of of the issues uh, or whatever's going on, but. We each seem morning to, we when seem you to wake up, waffle. each morning you wake up, have five minutes of quiet time and just say thank you. That's all you have to do. The best arithmetic is count your blessings. That's the main thing. You say, well, okay, well, thank you. I've woken up and when I go to bed, I say thank you for help, letting me help people today because the more I said when I first started, the more I help people, the better I do because it helps me. And the trouble is we're all into giving more, 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 more without giving and you've got to forgive before you forget so you've got to give first, and then you'll get what you really want. I can't be any simple on that. It's hard to accept for some people. I know this. I was asked by the government to go and look at... I've trained a lot of children uh, in personal development, and they said, well, you go and look at some young children, and they sent me to these homes where these children have been abused, babies. I couldn't handle it. I wasn't strong enough. But I, I, I'd probably go back in the future now. That was some years ago. But uh, the thing is that life is so simple. It's so short. And I was reading an article the other day, for the odds of you being born are equivalent to winning three major lottos. I thought, well, wherever that came from, it made sense. So why don't you accept it and love what you've got and appreciate what you've got without getting upset and getting stressed out? I think a lot of this mental stuff going out there, I'm not saying it's not there, but a lot of it's pushed and pushed in our faces and I'm post-traumatic stressed from my wall service. And I hid it very well. I was a real tough coach and I hid that stuff and I didn't say it. And, but I couldn't stop crying. I'd be crying for two or three times a day and I'd tell my staff that I was busy. So I'd go and hide home and sleep for about 14 hours. Eventually, uh, one of my friends found out and they assessed me and they said, you've got a very advanced form of depression. 
uh, you're likely to commit suicide. And I said, what do you mean? I didn't feel that way. He said, no, you're like that. And then one day you could walk along the road and jump in front of a bus. And I said, well, no, I thought I'd sort of uh, make some money from my successes because I looked for sympathy. I looked for people to give me sympathy, but I didn't have one victory. But I now look at empathy and I give people uh, from my experiences and I train and coach people to show them how to love themselves. And they say, well, if that guy can do it, why can't I? Look, you, you say something about the learning that comes from being at a low point in your life. Uh, it is interesting because I, I had a similar journey in you know, getting that black dog and, and wondering... You where, had a very tough upbringing. I read your background, Paul. Where, where, what you've where, done now is magnificent. Yeah, but where, where, that, where that black dog exists and, and where you feel, feel it comes from... I now realise that I used to have opinions about people who were suffering depression and my opinions were that they weren't strong and they weren't mentally able to cope and you know, I had opinions and judgments around that. And I was I was actually uniquely stronger and, and you know and more resilient. Until suddenly I found myself in the in the same place of the black dog and I think how how arrogant I was to think that you know, exactly. this wasn't going to happen to me and I'm strong mentally. And yet I realised that the black dog brought on a place of me, uh, my realising that some of who I was being before my, my what we call midlife crisis was not actually me but what other people wanted me to be. Excuse me for interrupting you, but that point you just said then, I would say uh, the biggest single point for all this mental disease, trying to be something you're not, without accepting the fact who you are. When I spoke to Rupert Murdoch, he told me his opinion. He said, I'll give him my definition of opinions. Opinions are like assholes. We all have them, but most of the time they're full of you-know-what. And I like that. Um, <laughs> trying to be yourself. Look in the mirror and say, I am. Just have a good look at your heart. And if you want to look at your heart in the mirror, look in your left eye. Uh, you'll be amazed how much passion come out there. Have a good look. Don't worry about your gut hanging out or your boobs aren't what they used to be or whatever. Have a good look inside your heart because that's really what you're all about. And once again, I keep emphasising, saying it, it's called self-love. It's the ultimate goal to get. And you won't have this mental stuff. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying not. I get all these chemical reaction responses and all this sort of stuff. And I said, but look, I was told I had uh, stage 3 cancer. And I said, well, I'm not just going to take... Your recommendations, I had a professor, I expect he's a lovely man, I don't ignore medical science, but it's not all on its own. So I told him about chakras, and he didn't even know what I was talking about. I said chakras have been around for a thousand years, chakras are the 12 major or 7 major energy points of your body, and where my prostate is, chakra 3, I meditated on that and sent it love. Now I went back three months later, and he said, well I don't know what you've done, but you're down to about a 1.0 and it must be a miracle or God. And I said, well, why is it when someone does something, it's a miracle or God? I said, they get enough credit. What about me? I did it. And he now starts to read. He's now reading on chakras. And he said, well, you, you're my most popular patient. You walk into my surgery and you get everyone laughing straight away and all that sort of stuff. I said, well, you're, it's not the comedy club here. You're telling people when they're going to die. You can't expect them to laugh. I said, you know, why not? And he goes, well, there's something going on there because I said, look, I don't ignore medical science, but I don't. I know it's not all because there's other ways to do it. If you look at the back of any of your drugs you take, you'll see the placebo effect. And without that, your belief systems, that's, it is, that's what it really means, the drug's not going to work properly. Now, the pharmaceuticals don't want you to know that, 
But it's very true. You do the study I've done. If you want to give the books, I'll give you the books that I've read that from. And every every drug that's prescribed has to go through the placebo. And what it means is, and I, I went, recently went and had a medical test with a, a heart surgeon, specialist and bright young man, and he said, well, Mr. Orrington, I'm very pleased to tell you, for a man of your age, uh, you're in excellent shape, but you've got a 15% chance of having a heart attack or a stroke within three to five years. And I said, well, you better get a new patient, which means you won't be able to buy a new Merck. <laughs> which have been charging me. He goes, excuse me. I said, do you know what a placebo is? Of course I do. I said, do you know what a nocebo is? He said, no, I don't know what that is. He said, well, that's the, when you give a negative connotation, if I believe you and you saying that three to five years and I'll have a heart attack, why don't you change it around? He said, very sarcastic. What would you suggest? I said, why don't you say I've got an 85% chance of not having money? Smile. He said, that even sounds better. I said, good. Now you can go and buy a new Merc and charge me another fee. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, that is, that is, that is just an, a very, a very uh, wonderful example of how you look at life and, and how you, know, you can take on board uh, what maybe a doctor says. I, I know that my wife said to me last night, she said, you know how people are sometimes affected when they find out they have an illness because they find out they had an illness that, that they didn't realise they had. And they suddenly find it, and it starts to go downhill for them, because they start, you know. And if if that's a reality, how powerful is our mind? And uh, I know that the last person we had on the podcast with Paul was Isaac Loman, 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 Isaac. And uh, Isaac is a hypnotist, and oh, I don't know. Right. I don't know if you that's know a anything good example. about. Yeah. I don't know if you know anything uh, much about that, and I don't know. And I'm going to I'm going to learn to become a hypnotist hypnotist myself. I'm doing the course with with Isaac. Good look now, out, world. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I what I come to realise is the power of the mind, because your mind can go in a state, um, and it speak. It can be told by suggestion that you're um, you know eating an apple, but in actual fact, you're eating a, 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 an onion. Now your mind is saying it's an apple, so you can actually crunch into an onion, and you think it's an apple. Now, how powerful is the mind if that happens in a in a hypnosis state? Well, with respects, that's really not taught exactly right. It's not your mind; your mind's outside. It's your thoughts, and we we we, we know we can change an instant by changing your thoughts. A, a brain surgeon doesn't know that happens. Like if you see a a dog lying down in the street, just been knocked over, and there's blood coming out of your ear, and you start thinking that, you you respond accordingly. And then straight away you look up and you see the beautiful uh, morning dew on a rose and a, the rose blossoming and that, and you change your mind. We don't even know how that works, but we have the ability to change the way we think, which is our thoughts. And your thoughts are driven by your feelings. Your thoughts come from your brain, and your feelings come from your heart. So it's always the feeling first. So if you feel good and think good, you then behave good. That's the three major parts of a human. They how they behave. If you think first and then try and feel good, that's false. That's ego. Oh, say so, that again. If you think... If you... if They say be positive and all that sort of stuff. Well, hang on a minute. If you think about something and then mm-hmm. feel good from that mm-hmm. and then act on that, which is what most you do... That's unnatural teaching. It doesn't last. Mm. But if you feel good first and then have a thought, which goes from intuition to ego when you get a thought to it, like you might wake up one morning with your beautiful partner and you're just smiling in the bed and, and your partner says, well, what are you so happy about? And you say, well, I don't know. Then you, you look out the window and say, it's a nice day. That was your ego 
giving you identification of your thought. But there's no such thing as a good or a bad feeling. A feeling is just a feeling. That's what you meditate on. Just say thank you and I love the feeling, good or bad. It's when you judge the feeling, you go to ego. So if you have a feeling first, then a thought, and then you act on it, that's natural thinking. That's not taught very well out in there in the marketplace at the moment. It's very accurate. Oh, I, I, yes, I, I, well, I well understand this idea of, well, I think I'm going with the flow, but, but the naturalness of your, of your thinking or the naturalness of yourself and being your true self, your, and, and that's following your true nature, is that what would you call well, it? Well, oh. what do you do when you wake up, you say, I don't think good or I don't feel good. What do you say? I don't feel good. Or I don't feel, I feel, so I feel that's, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's just, it is what it is. And then we judge it. We say, well, why don't you feel good? Well, I don't know. Uh, uh, you make a, up a story you're, about it. You're a bitch. I shouldn't have married you or something. <laughs> yeah. And away you go again. And it's got nothing to Off do with Off it goes. Person. It's all to do with you. You look in the mirror and you say, God, what a sick sight you are. You know? <laughs> so stop this thinking. We overthink. Eckhart Tolle said it very well. We overthink so much. And it's so true. I stop thinking uh, by just looking at things. That'll stop you thinking. And I close ah, my eyes. Just, just to look around just and just be around. with be with your surroundings. And then close your eyes and do a five-by-five-by-five by five by five breathing exercise. In for five, hold for five, and out for five. And another little secret I learned not so long ago was the, the real health colour is crystal. So when I breathe in, I breathe in crystal. And if I'm thinking about you, Paul, well, sometimes when you give me a hard time, I breathe out black shit. And it gets really, it's just, it's really no disrespect, it's a black or brown shit. <laughs> so, but, but that works so well. And I think, okay, come and test me if you want to come and have a chat and give free meditation. I'll give it to you because I, I think it saved my life. Well, I know it saved my life. Just to be more peace with myself. Let's, let's have a little challenge, listeners, and let's just... Think for a moment uh, on what uh, Robert has been reflecting. And Robert, can you please, just as an exercise for our listeners, just if we can, I don't know if you're driving or whatever you're doing, uh, or if you, even if you are driving, you can still do this exercise and allow, your, allow yourself to go into a place where you actually observe your surroundings mm-hmm. without thinking too much, without that idea that we need to think. And let's have a go at that, listeners. And then if we were to learn a little bit about how to do that, and the, the the value of that, we can we can do it um, more often, and maybe like start our day with it, or or to even finish our day with it, or, or to when we do start to feel those stress levels rise. We start start to, with three S's. Start, silence, okay, just solitude. take it take it through it, and and let do that breathing, uh, listeners. Everyone, uh, I hope you um um. I'm happy to go along with this because I want to do it with Robert now and see what happens. I want to know what I'm going to feel and how I'm going to feel. Okay, Robert, uh, slowly go through that. It's that, like those, most bre- things, those, those breathing exercises. It's, it's like most things that are very effective and efficient, Paul, is, um, and remember, efficient people do the right things. Effective people do the right things right. Uh, I like being effective, and that is something. And breathing we take for granted. The first thing I do is teach people not to take their breathing for granted. And the way I do that is put a plastic bag over their head and tighten it up. Then they start loving fresh air. And I say to people, money's not important. Yeah, but it's up there with breathing. So breathing is very, very important. Uh, So why don't you do it well instead of taking it for granted? Now, we know the two nostrils control the air and the oxygen to the brain. Your mouth is the airway to your heart. So if you breathe in, before I do that, the exercise of Eckhart told to me is that have a look at things. And when you look at things, just the magnificence about a photograph or a building or something, 
and it just gets you when you stop thinking. Then I close my eyes. That's only for a couple of minutes. This is really called incubation of breathing. Okay, you've got to use the sensory language because this is what you see here, feel, smell and taste. So I do that automatically. But basically for the basic beginner, it's simple as this. Open your eyes, have a look around, Just go, then close your eyes and then breathe in for five. Through your nostrils. Everybody, come on, let's all, let's all do it. Okay, now we'll breathe up. Okay, for five, for, for, count, count to five. If you can't count where you're breathing, if you've got a problem I'll with take that, that deep breath and count to five. Can't, cancel on your fingers. Just one, two, three, four, one, five. One, two, three, four, five. Now, you hold it for five, which is what you just did, and now you breathe out for five. But when you breathe out, be pronounced through your mouth. One. So in for five. Hold for five and out for five. And that's one of the best breathing exercises you can do. I do it ten times in the morning, ten times at night, and ten times when I meet a difficult person. When I first met you, Paul, I did it three times in the day and I felt good. <laughs> wow. Look, I actually feel better for you at looking at you now after doing that exercise. <laughs> I, I agree with you. It just settles the mind. As soon as you feel that stress... You off you go, and then that stress level just sort of moves away from you because you've actually given your mind a bit of a breather. Hey, it's a breather. It's yeah, well, a breather. It's a breather, and a very effective way. I, you know, I do it automatically every day now. I do it through the day. I do it at traffic lights, and sometimes I don't off. But you can't hold up the traffic because you always got some loving human being to remind what human. They go beep, beep the horn, and you wake up. So that's all right. I don't know any better than being relaxed, and you can't really relax if you don't love or appreciate yourself. That's why I keep talking about self-love. But breathing is a wonderful leveler. It's a, you know, it's a, try it. You might be surprised how well you feel. It's not rocket science. Well, it's it, it's uh, not rocket science, but obviously that oxygen that we all live on, and then we just focus on it rather than just take it for granted. And often we often we take things for granted that we that we should, you know, maybe look at it and go. No, appreciate it. I know that uh, now with food, uh, I'm taking my time. I'm just not in a place where I need to rush, uh, and to really appreciate the flavours that you're getting and the and the the, the the actual energy it takes, and feel feel the food Savour it. going yeah. going into your body. And think, wow, isn't it lovely to be able to actually be present and to enjoy the whole the whole the whole moment of just a meal. And, you know, the people that you're with, you might be having a glass of wine, there might be some music playing, but to actually look at it from a place of gratitude where you can take time to appreciate it, where you actually taste the flavours. You're just not swallowing and just talking and, and, and not present because being not present means you, you, you've lost yourself in, in the need and the want and the next thing because you're not there. I found one of the best habits, which I only learnt this for a few years ago really, is that when I eat, I don't have anything else on. No radios, no televisions, no pod phones, um, no... Uh, oh, that's a, that's a way to help control the whole weight, is it? <laughs> so you're not doing something else at the same time. I just, you're just do, doing that. I would concentrate on one thing. Mm. See, focus, mm. F-O-C-U-S, to me, is follow one course until successful. Mm. Until you do that, how can you achieve it? I've just been reading just recently about all these people who do multitasking, it's saying now that you lose 60% of the effectiveness when you multitask, which is right. You've got to focus on one thing. The most important thing is breathing. So why don't you become good at that? 
I studied a Russian guy, and as much as I found this hard to believe, I've checked out it's true, he actually held his breath for 26 minutes. He's got a world record. He's a professor. I can't remember his name. probably couldn't pronounce it if I did. But um, it's a book I read only a couple of years ago, and he said, well, you know, the breath is everything. Why don't you learn how to master it? And he said, there's nothing else I do. The rest of my life just works around that. Well, gee, that makes a bit of sense. So, you know, and as I said before, when we stop breathing, we stop living. And who wants to do that? Not an early age, anyhow. Ah, thank you, listeners. Ah, that was interesting. We learnt about what it was to be silent, how to uh, look within. That uh, touched on a bit about depression and how to deal with that and how the Bocito effect and how our belief systems work and how powerful is cognitive thinking. And often we think too much, Robert was saying. I think I think too much. I think we can all fall into the trap of thinking too much. And on we ended in breathing. And uh, breathing seems so simple, but we concluded that it was a lovely leveler, leveler, leveler. Look, focus on one thing, and uh, if we learn how to breathe, and we really enjoy breathing, and then we can just then relax and look at our life in a new light because we're aware of their breathing and we're grateful for it. Thank you, that's everyone. That was uh, episode three. Looking forward to episode four. Cheers, everyone. That's another episode from Podcast with Paul. Special thanks, everyone. Remember to keep an eye out for our next exciting episode with more fun special guests. Find out more of what we're all about and look up the Laughter Project. Hey, everyone. Be happy.